Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Darren Colston has released several albums and in the past few months, several singles. The most recent is Nothing I Can Do and we're going to talk about that and other things. Hi, Darren. Hi, Sophie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I have a few questions to ask you, not only about the new single, although we'll get to that. Okay. I'm going to start start not with that single, but with another single you released this year, Old Town, um, which is a really evocative depiction of place and of a time in your life. And I'm wondering, where is the Old Town? Uh, The Old Town is uh, Narendra. Right. Just uh, who are currently underwater. So, Mm -hmm. um, they're in the, been in the news right at this this moment as we speak. But yeah, that's my old town. It's uh, and was it hard to choose the places you mentioned in this song and the, and I suppose the stories from your life because I would imagine there are a few memories to choose from. Oh yeah, look, um, so many that year. I was only there for about a year and a half, mm-hmm. um, but it was a real breakout year for me. It was it was a time of my life where I went from a sheltered life in Melbourne right. um, to you know having the stakes taken out and, and moving to this country town where you, you know, you, you're given a lot more free reign as a kid. And mm-hmm. so I experienced a lot of things in a hurry. Um, a lot of things that turned me into who I am in here. So yeah, so many memories and, and not enough time to fit them all in. Definitely. Well, so that's interesting that you only spent a, sh- a relatively short period of time there, but clearly, yes, it did have such a big impact. And so I'm wondering for you, those memories in your mind, they're obviously really vivid. That's why you chose to write about them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, though, you know, so many things that were firsts for me. And I, and I think, I mean, first love, um, first uh, first experience of death amongst my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, so many things, you know, I got just living in a hotel in itself was, you know, we're, we're going from a normal suburban home in Melbourne and and uh, and all the things that go along with that to, to living above a jukebox in a pub and, and all the goings on that were happening in the pub, you know, like they're all very, it all happened to me at once. So it's all very vivid. Yeah. So do you think for you as a storyteller, because that's what you are in your songs, that that time also sparked your imagination to, to think about telling stories because you were observing all these different things going on? Oh, for sure. For sure. And that, that's where I started playing music for people. Mm-hmm. So music became a much bigger focus for me and and therefore you know writing songs as well mm-hmm. so um yeah it all it all sparked from there you know that was the launching uh or that was the the, the place where the spark happened the launch happened later in a, in another town but the spark came in Narendra yeah so you mentioned that you started to play music for other people so what had you been doing up till then were you playing guitar singing what had playing happened? in the bedroom right yeah even my dad hadn't heard me you know I remember right. We just bought the hotel. I mean, I was 15 mm-hmm. and um, I'd been playing guitar since I was 10 and we just bought this hotel and um, sitting giving a bit of a send-off to the previous owners and sitting there next to the jukebox with my girlfriend and, and Dad says, why don't you get out your guitar and play some songs? And he'd never heard me, you know, till then, till that point it was always, you know, don't think music is going to be a career and all this sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and then... Uh, the girlfriend says, yeah, get out your guitar. And so I got it and I reckon I sat there for 40 minutes trying right. to get the courage up to sing that first song. 
then you never shut me up. But my dad's eyes opened the very first song. He went, oh, this, we've got something here. And he was my biggest fan from that day on. Right. Um, but, yeah, like everything. Yeah, such a big spark in my life. Oh, he, he probably thought, oh, he's been practising in his bedroom all that time. He actually was doing something. Yeah, yeah, not just hiding from the world. Yeah. yeah. So when you picked up the guitar at 10, was it because you just wanted to learn a musical instrument or specifically that instrument? Um, oh, look, I, I actually wanted to be Red Simons. <laughs> I loved Skyhooks and, and uh, I used to dress up like Red Simons with the cape and all the eyewear and all that. And then my grandmother gave me a guitar. And that was that was the instrument that I uh, that I had. But also, like my dad's, we, we were in, heavily involved in a football club and cricket club in Melbourne. And um, my dad's best friend had a band. Mm-hmm. And every time we had an away, or not every time, but so many away football matches, we'd go back to the club rooms, and his band would be there, and they'd play. And and that that also fostered a love for me of live music as well. And he he sort of became a bit of a mentor for me. Um, Doc is his doc is all anyone knows him as Doc right. Stevens and uh, yeah he 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 even gave me my first decent guitar that, that I actually sung for people with he, he you know he handed it to me said this was mine I want you to have it and um, so it was always going to be guitar because that's that's what I was given yeah, yeah yeah and so were you one of those kids who when you first got it you just kept practicing and practicing till the the, oh, yeah, yeah. the calluses I, formed. Oh yeah, yeah. I played through the callus. I played through the pain. I I remember putting, you know, the the dot band aids. Yeah. I remember putting dot band aids on the end of my fingers so I could keep playing until till the pain went away. And yeah, so it was yeah, it was just a, uh, a I won't say an obsession because I you know I never became a, a um, one of the great players, but it was certainly a passion that I couldn't put the guitar down. Yeah. yeah, right. Although I have to say you are the first musician I've ever spoken to who cites Red Simons as their inspiration. <laughs> well, that yeah, that came about from a family holiday and some the family, we went with another family and they had older children. I, I was probably nine or ten at the time and they, they went back to Melbourne and um, saw Skyhooks at the Bombay Rock he came back with a, with an album and they played it and played it and they kept talking to me about red, red, red. So I sort of was influenced by them, I guess. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, no, he's a great person to be influenced by because he, he oh. did have quite a presence, quite a stage presence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. So that's your, that's your performance background. When did you start writing songs? Um, I reckon I, I probably wrote my first song before I ever performed for anyone, but it was you know, like a couple of rubbish songs, but I got serious about songwriting around about the age of 18, mm-hmm. 19. Um, and it was, I never played them for anyone, but I wrote many, many songs and then um, went through fits and, you know, stages with, with mm-hmm. songwriting and, and many different styles. So I tried to write, tried, I, I, I saw Gloria Estefan. I went to a live concert, saw Gloria Estefan and, I came away from that trying to write dance music and uh, and I'd been writing for a while and a friend of mine who was Tommy Emmanuel's manager, I played the songs for him and he said, Daz, I like the songs but they're not you. You write about, he said, I see you as that Billy Joel or sort of person that writes about the real person, real stories. And I went away and I worked on that and what came out was 
what you're hearing now. Yeah, yeah. and Billy Joel is a, is a great songwriter to to think about, I think, because, he yes, he tells quite complex stories sometimes in stories. his songs and they often are about places, people, and you get a whole yep. arc of things. And so um, you you also released a song called Hello River Arena this year, so just talking about place, um, yep. which, and that takes us right to that part of New South Wales in the song. And so place is obviously a major inspiration for you and I'm wondering if that's always been the case in your songwriting. Oh, yeah, I mean... Um, some of the most successful songs that I had 10 years ago when I was, you know, getting a bit of attention around Golden Guitars and things like that were, you know, River Bend Jack, which was about a real guy in, in a town I lived in who was a homeless man that, that lived under a peppercorn tree on the river and, you know, On the Bend by the Willow, which was all about my growing up in Narandra and Cobram and mm-hmm. places like that where I had all these experiences and they all seemed to be somewhere near a river and, um, so place has always, yeah, meant a lot to me because I think it, it connects with people because, you know, people, I think people can relate when they can relate to places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just thinking of Billy Joel as you're talking because scenes from an Italian restaurant is like oh, yeah. got it in a title, you know. So. My, my favourite Billy Joel song. Oh, there you yeah. go. Um, yeah. So, but speaking about the new single, uh, Nothing yep. I Can Do, it's not about a place, it's about a person. And yeah, it's a real heartbreaker. So how did you come to write it? Oh, look, I've written a lot of songs that I've written some of my happiest songs that I've been in really down times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've written some of my saddest songs uh, when I've been up, when I've been able to reflect on something that's happened to me with the benefit of time and, and healing. Mm-hmm. But this song was written right in the moment. Um, right. I'd broken up for the second time with the love of my life. And um, there was eight years in between right. of us not being together. And, you know, we finally got back together after one breakup and then and it just fell apart and quite innocent. Like there was no malice between any. We've never had a harsh word, which was a hard part about it. And so this song was written in that moment where it dawned on me that there was literally nothing I could, could do. Mm. Um, that, that moment of realization. And, um, I literally wrote this song through bloodshot eyes and on, you know, wet paper. Right. Did it feel different? Cause I'm often a believer when you're engaging in something creative, there are, you're feeling it in your body as much as you're thinking things through. So given that you said that you often write your happiest songs when you're not happy and the reverse is true. Given that this was written in the moment, did it, did it feel different when you were it, writing it, it? Yeah, it did. It did. And yet I always, I've always had the ability to transport my feeling. Like, so if I'm writing about a sad event that's happened to me, I can sort of transport myself back to that place and feel it while I'm writing it. Mm-hmm. But nothing like this when I was writing this one. Um, it was pretty intense, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think uh, probably a mark of the, your experience as a songwriter that doesn't sound intense. And by that, I mean it doesn't sound overwhelming for the listener. It's not like we think, oh, my God, there's just so much emotion, I can't bear it. You actually have quite a measured way of detailing what's going on so that the listener can find themselves in it, I suppose. Yeah, and I think because there was no anger, mm-hmm. um, lots of heartbreak, immense heartbreak at the time. I mean, hey, I'm good now. <laughs> but uh, immense heartbreak at the time, but no anger because I totally understood, mm-hmm. um, you know, people, place, 
things don't line up sometimes. And so I was able to write from a feeling of being hurt but not angry. Yeah. And so it, it was able to flow then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, acceptance, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. When you write about something so personal as a songwriter, does it feel risky, like you're exposing yeah. too much of yourself? Absolutely. And you go, do people really want to see that real amount of me? Mm-hmm. You know, and because you don't want people to think you're perpetually in that zone either. I mean, I'm, I'm a happy guy, but um, so, yeah, it is, it is a risk. Am I going to get ridiculed for feeling that bad? Mm-hmm. How's people connected going to take it? I mean, the first person I played it to was her. Right. You know, and got the thumbs up. Right. Um, you know, so, yeah, there's there's lots of risk around it, but I think there's risk with any song you write because mm-hmm. you're always opening yourself up to, as soon as you release a song, are people going to like this? Are people going to ridicule me for it? You know, that's the worst thing you've ever done, Daz, or are they going to love it? And I think you have to, you have to be able to write it and forget about those things and just mm-hmm. see it as a process. And if they love it, they love it. If they don't, they don't. Yeah. Well, and also because you're performing it. So it's not a matter of just going out once and people hearing that version, you'll be in front of an audience performing it. So it requires a constant dedication, I think, to to your art to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you do relive it a bit each time you, you sing it. Um, I mean, singing it in the studio was probably one of the hardest days I've ever put it in a studio. I ended up on the floor in a, in a toilet throwing up later right. on. It was that intense for me. Um, it's never going to be that hard to sing it live. But, but every time you sing it live, it's like the song I wrote about my dad, Good Man. Every time I sing it, it's reliving the way I feel about him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, you get to relive it over and over. You never really, once you write about it, if it's a song people want to hear, you're never truly rid of that emotion. Yeah. But anyway, that's But also that's that. Right. I would think that is what connects with audiences and I wouldn't mind betting that those more personal songs are the ones that you probably get the most positive audience feedback on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, sometimes people come up and go, Dad, you've got to stop making us cry. But, oh. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I think if you're a storytelling musician as opposed to a dance show or, a, you know, that, that type of thing, if, you, if you're one that's all about telling stories, you've got to be willing to, have that interaction otherwise there's there's no there's no flow to your show you can't be up yeah. all the time if you're a storyteller there's got to be a bit of you got to take people on a mm-hmm. bit of a journey yeah. i think yeah well and if someone comes to you and says you may when are you going to stop making us cry you could say well i guess i've done my job if i made you cry <laughs> oh absolutely and they say it as a they say it as a compliment so i yeah I, I take it as a, I still apologize, but no, I, no, I, I think it's a I think it's a great compliment. I'm just saying, you know, it is as you said, it's to take the audience on a journey. So if you've made them cry, you've done your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as I can bring a smile to their face at some other stage of the night, then good. I never want people walking away going, Oh, that was horrific. you know, I couldn't do that again. <laughs> yeah. Now you've worked with Damien Caparella as your producer. How did you oh, come yeah. to form that association? Oh, we worked together a couple of times at Mildura a few years back at the Mildura Festival. Uh, he was in one of the backing bands and, and so they backed me a couple of times and then we'd sort of connected on Facebook in no big meaningful way. But then I was at uh, the Golden Guitars the year that Felicity won all those guitars and 
bit of an emotional night, Glenn, who, you know, we were all memorialising, if that's a word, um, Glenn Hanna that night because we'd lost him that year. And um, I remember the two people you heard all night was people would say, miss you, Glenn. And then in another breath, I'd like to thank Damien Caffarella for either producing or playing on or co-writing or his name was the second biggest name on the night aside from Fliss who won all those awards. Right. And I just walked away thinking, well, yeah, I've been thinking about Damien producing me. Now I know he's my man. And um, and lucky for me, he said, yeah, Daz, I, I really want to work with you. So um, great connection. And I really, I love, like I hadn't worked with him as a producer before, but man, what a, what a great, you know, operator he is. Absolutely. Yeah. And a very busy producer these days. Um, oh, <laughs> trying to get hold of him is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure you have to book him in months and months ahead. But I'm wondering because he is a he performs as well. He's in the wilds amongst other things. Um, whether knowing that he's a performer helps you communicate in the studio because you're effectively talking to a peer that way. Oh, absolutely. And I can sit down with Damien, play some guitar, and he can play along and go, "What if we take the song here?" It's not. He's not just trying to describe it. He can sit down and do it with me. Right. Um, um, but he, he also understands my ideas. You know, the way this song ended up isn't necessarily the way we produced it initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but he was open to me saying, what if we do this with it and that with it? Because I think we've lost a bit of the, the intensity. And as a musician, he was able to hear that. Yeah, there was no ego in I'm the producer and he heard it from a musician's point of view then. And Right went with it yeah so yeah yeah, he's the man I can't say enough good about him (laughs) Uh, and clearly you enjoy that collaborative process with him so I'm wondering if you ever collaborate on songwriting oh a couple of times I've done it um a couple of times it was soul destroying because sometimes you just work with people that I guess you don't necessarily hit it off with that I hit off with personally Mm -hmm. but when we wrote together it just didn't work but then there's others that it's just flows but I've only really co-written maybe five six times and mm. it's something that I really now that I'm back out there and, and doing this again that's that's a part of what I do that I want to explore is a lot more writing with others and writing for others mm-hmm. so yeah well, yes, and now that you can travel and <laughs> see people face to face and make those connections I'm, I'm sure it will be easier to find co-writers yeah yeah, absolutely. How good is that that we can travel again? I mean, that was for someone living in the bush that wants to co-write with people. That was that was probably the hardest part of isolation was not being able to share that creativity with others. I know people do it over Zoom and all that sort of thing, but I'm a bit of a same room right. kind of yeah. guy. Well, or maybe I'm just a technophobe. But <laughs> well, there's something. It is easier to to watch people's body language, and and I'm, you know there are delays on Zoom. It's even if you've got yeah. a great internet connection, there's a little bit of a delay. Yeah, so you can't play along with one another at the same time and feed off what the other person's playing. You sort of, it's more a you play a bit. What do you think of this? And, and there's there's that sort of collaboration. But to be in a room and to be jamming on a song and seeing where it goes together you know that 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 inspires little things to me um Mm -hmm. everyone's different but to me that's like you know mind you being a solo artist just 
the the opportunity to play with others, you know, is is fantastic. So <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I just love that. We'll we'll see what the next few months and years bring. Hopefully, there will be never no never a lockdown ever again. I can't imagine there will be. No, no, no certainly not the way we've had them. No. So what's next? Did you have you banked some singles with Damien, given that he's hard to get into the studio with? Yes, yeah. Um, so the album comes out in February. We've got right. all the tracks down. Um, there's at least one more single, which will be the the title track of the album, which is called Ruckers Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be another sneaky one in there. We'll we'll see how we go. Right. Um, but at least Ruckers Hill, which will come out to coincide with the album release in about February. Okay. Yeah. So people can keep an eye on your website and social media for news of the album. And no doubt you'll do some shows in support of it as well. Absolutely. And also um, going to be doing a lot of touring next year with, uh, I've been picked up by an organisation called um, the Australian Horizons Foundation. Mm-hmm. And we have, um, they, they have one project, which is a bit of a mental health, social connection type initiative. Mm-hmm. where they go out to small town Australia where, that wouldn't normally have a lot of live music or events. So mm-hmm. they put on shows to give people a chance to get together and I'm going to be the music ambassador. So right. I'll be on tour, you know, many, many times next year out in these places from Queensland to Tassie, um, putting on free shows for, for the locals. Fantastic. So will you yeah. post those shows on your website or should people go to the Horizon Foundation to find out? Oh, we'll be doing both, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Well, good yeah. luck with the, all that. And the program is called Let's Get Rural. So, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, what a great initiative that is. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was pretty stoked when they asked me to, part of, to be part of what they do. And, um, yeah, it looks like a really good thing. I mean, yeah, once we get it all off the, off the road and, oh, sorry, off the ground level and back on the road because they've yeah. had a little bit of a hiatus for a couple of years because of COVID. They were already doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's now kicking it off again and and um, no, I expect to be touring a lot. So. And you'll have new songs to play because you have the yep. album coming out. So um, yep. I'll look forward to hearing that album when it's released. And in the meantime, Darren, thanks very much for talking to me. Thanks, Sophie. Great, great chatting. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.